welcome back to another episode of the Drop Bass Not Bombs podcast. I'm your host, Amy Farina, aka MC Unicorn. For those of you who are new to the show, on this podcast, I interview interesting people in the electronic music scene from all over the world who are raving for a cause. In today's episode, I speak with Swedish hardstyle producer Neutrophic about how he got started in the scene, some tips and tricks for up-and-coming artists, and as always on this podcast, we'll talk about what it means to rave for a cause and how Neutrophic is making a positive impact in the scene through his music. For those of you who are unfamiliar with hardstyle, hardstyle is a genre of electronic music originating in the Netherlands in the late 90s and early 2000s. Hardstyle is characterized by its melodic sound combined with percussion and bass. The typical hardstyle track ranges between 140 beats per minute and 150 beats per minute. Some notable hardstyle events are Defcon and Decibel in the Netherlands and Reverse in Belgium. In the U.S., we used to have Fantasyland, rest in peace, but now hardstyle can be heard at BassCon and, of course, at Electric Daisy Carnival, in addition to many, many, many smaller events. Some of the bigger names in hardstyle are Headhunters, Noise Controllers, and Soundrush, to name a few. So before we get into the interview with Neutrophic, just two quick notes. Um, my audio in this interview is not the best, so I apologize for that. Um, his audio is really, really good, so... I mean, I'm not recording from a studio. I was told that I should do it with a blanket over my head or in a closet. Unfortunately, all the closets uh, in my home, they can't fit me. So eventually I will have a studio. Eventually the quality will be better. So apologize for that in advance. And one other thing is that we do talk about uh, the pandemic in this episode, as I did record it in May. And I know the situation has changed. Uh, which is great. But uh, yeah, just a note, we do talk about the pandemic and live streams and being stuck at home. But of course, the situation now has changed. We'll be back in just a moment after a quick break. So without further ado, let's get into the interview. So yeah, yeah, let's get started. So who are you? Where are you from? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Hello, uh, my name is Albin Henriksson. And uh, I am here from Sweden, where I uh, at the moment live also. Uh, I am 25 years old and I fell in love with the hardstyle music in 2012 or 2013. Uh, it's been a while, so it's kind of hard to remember now. But uh, once I discovered the music that became my, my uh, how do you say, path in life, it's uh, my passion uh, and everything. Uh, it feels like everything I'm thinking about every day is just hardstyle music. And uh, it's a very big part of my everyday uh, life right now. How did you discover the music? How did you get into hard dance and how did you become a DJ slash producer? Uh, that's uh, quite interesting because uh, I think that I always been uh, interested in music, but uh, from the start uh, I was going to be a rapper or I was hip hop was my, especially the Swedish hip hop that was like, yeah, I'm going to be a rapper. So uh, then back in the days, I just, uh, my friend helped me download this music program and I started to try to create beats but <laughs> didn't sound good at all and then one day we were also like uh, very into gaming and uh, you know pc and back then lan was very popular we would get together with a gang of boys and just uh, play computer games together and we had this very big lan party in sweden called dreamhack and uh, at this dreamhack there were also live artists playing and djs so that's where i first heard hardstyle for the first time i think uh, 
Swedish DJ called Esitsu and Holger uh, were playing a like two hour set and we were standing in front and suddenly I was just, hey, this is what I want to do. When I saw the lasers and the energy in the crowd and the bass and everything, it was like, oh shit, I'm not going to be a rapper, I'm going to be a DJ. And uh, yeah, from there I was uh, changing it all up, watching YouTube tutorials about how to make art style and year went by and I discovered my own sound and uh, yeah, that's, that was the start. And from that day I have not changed at all. Though you can hear in some of my tracks, I have uh, lyrics that I've written myself and also recorded. So the rap and hip hop thing still lives a bit on, but today I'm just listening to electronic music, I think. That's awesome. Yeah, I have a similar story as well. <laughs> so what is the hard dance scene like in Sweden? Uh, I know Sweden has a strong house music scene and you talked about Dreamhack, but what are like hard dance parties like there? Mm, uh, there are very... Small. I think we can just compare them a lot to like Netherlands and the uh, rest of Europe because they take a very lot of inspiration from them. But we do not have the same amount of people who are into this scene. And yeah, the creators don't have that uh, economy all either. So, I mean, it's very smaller, but you can still feel that they're trying. Uh, all from the bigger ones like Owl Festival, where I played in 2019. Uh, I, would, um, I was amazed by the scene they put up because it was like a great owl, actually. They have put a lot of work in it. And if you look at another just big festival here in Sweden, they don't put that time on building stages like that. There's, yeah, it's, that's the difference. But also when you come to the smaller parties, uh, like clubs and stuff, uh, you feel the vibes that uh, people are there for the music and they share this passion together. And uh, yeah, also they try to build stages on... Uh, not just the stage that you have to stand on. It should be this uh, decorative stuff with lasers and uh, colors and yeah, everything. So uh, yeah, you can say it's like a small version of the big ones. That's awesome. Yeah, it's kind of similar in the US. It's, the people there are always like, we're there for the music because we don't get so much hard dance there. So when people come, it's all about the passion. And yeah, it's definitely also smaller in the US as well. I think the Netherlands is on another level. Uh, the amount of people and the production level, the lasers, the fireworks. So you've played at Decibel in the Netherlands. Can you talk a little bit about what your experience was like there and with the Dutch hard style scene? Yeah. Uh, first of all, I've uh, I've been to a lot of festivals in the Netherlands before the Decibel thing happened. But what happened was that I was actually living in the Netherlands for a month, uh, trying to learn the language. So I was studying. And uh, before I went there, I was in the contest by just creating another mixtape. Uh, I tend to attend all these contests because, you know, you always want to reach higher and higher. So it was nothing big for me. It was like, hey, I'm just going to put the, my remix in there. Uh, or not remix, it was actually a DJ mix and see what happens. And then I, was, I think it was the last day of school when uh, we got our... Uh, graduations uh, papers and everything and everyone was happy and i was extra happy because i got this email from b2s where they said to me hey we you are one of the finalists we just want to know if you win uh, will you be able to get to netherlands without us pay for it <laughs> and i was like hmm, okay yeah of course uh, i mean what i got for the prize it was like plus one and the camping vip area everything so the money for my flight was not really it wasn't gonna stop me so i said hell yeah and then like two days after or something, they really, yeah, I was one of the lucky winners. And yeah, I was very happy and I built up all this, uh, you know, um, 
uh, I, I was thinking that it's going to be like a big stage and everything, but uh, I knew that I was going to play on the camping stage. I think it's called, uh, uh, I don't know the names of the stage, but it was like a big tent. Uh, I, I guess the listeners that would know what I'm talking about. Yeah, you know? I never made it. No, I never made it to Decibel. I was supposed to go in 2019, but my dog had an expensive operation, so I couldn't go. And then every every year, for some reason, around Decibel in August, something comes up that I can't go, which is really unfortunate because I've always wanted to go. It's like top on my list. But no, I'm not oh. sure the name of the stage, but I'm sure the listeners will know. And oh, yeah, but, but now, now I got it. <laughs> Because they they got two scenes on the campsite while what wow now I can talk <laughs> one of them was very big and then they had this a little smaller but still kind of a big tent and that was what I'm gonna play it was called the hangout club and uh, yeah names on that scene was like D Block and Estefan I think even almost I think Sefa played also one set and it was big names but uh, I I got the the loser time <laughs> right after the end show so. Everyone was at the main area and the, the whole area of this village is very big. So when you are at the festival area, then it takes like 40 minutes to get to back to the camping uh, almost. So my first like half of the set was just me and my friends. almost, And uh, yeah, I, I got my also Dutch friend who was taking a photo shots and everything of it because he's a great photographer. Shout out to him, Quinn Brewers. <laughs> uh, but yeah, then uh, some people came and... Uh, I had a very great time playing there because, as you said, uh, the stages are on another level than I was used to in Sweden. I got this uh, DJ set up with like four decks in front of me and I was like, hey, I'm just going to use two of them. <laughs> um, but yeah, if I look back now, I wish that uh, more people would have come because I had a kind of great set. And uh, in the end, I think we were just around 20 to 30 people there. And when you think that you're playing on Decibel, and you're telling people that they imagine that it's a crowd in front of you, but actually I just could see some. But the, but the people who were there, they were dancing the hell out of themselves. So it was uh, as a DJ, that's that's a goal to get the people to dance, and uh, that makes me happy. Yeah, hundred percent. It's hard at those big festivals. People always have to make tough choices. I know a Dominator uh, always at the like during the closing ceremony. There's also really good terror going on. I'm like, hey, am I in the mood for terror? Or am I in the mood to go watch the fireworks? You know, it's 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 hard to make those tough decisions when there's so many options and so many stages, and it takes forever to walk around to. Pretty much, you spend the whole festival just wa walking around from stage to stage. So I'm sure yeah. in the future there'll be way more opportunities for you and to have a bigger crowd. But the main thing is that your friends were there and having a good time, and it's just a good experience overall. I think. Yeah, and one other funny thing was that when I was. Uh... I had to be behind the stage for like one hour before. So I missed the whole hand show. <laughs> oh no. Uh, I was going solo there because my photographer friend, of course, he wanted to take some awesome shots at the end show. And uh, so I was running around there nervous as hell with my headphones in my hand. And then I met some Spanish guys and I was just, I needed some company. So I sat with them and say, hey, it's okay, I sit with you. And you know, festival people are like, hey, yeah, of course. And we spoke a little bit and I told them that I was a DJ and I won this contest and it was my first international gig and they think it was super cool. So they said like, hey, oh, we're going to go there. And I was like, oh, I hope so. And the funny thing was that they were the first people there, I think. So that was very fun. And, and we have contact today also. We, I got this Instagram and uh, Facebook, I think. So, yeah, it was just me in my need of company. And now I got some Spanish friends. So that's amazing. 
That's amazing. I mean, that's my favorite part about festivals. It's just the people that you meet and the community that you build. And yeah, I mean, the first festival I went to in the Netherlands was Harmony of Hardcore in 2014. And I went by myself and ended up meeting like a bunch of people. And yeah, it's just amazing. So is there anywhere in the world that you have not played that you would like to play? Yeah, like all places. <laughs> no, but I got some some goals that are very high up and i think my my dream so to speak is of course uh, like main stage defcon and uh, climax because that's like the biggest thing you can do as a hardstyle dj but if we go more down to earth i really want to play at dreamhack also in sweden because that's that's where it all started and it was like my first very dream that came true or not came true but that's where i discovered hardstyle and i want to be part of going there and for young people that are because uh, I forgot to say, but it's not for 18 plus, it's like everybody's welcome. So it's like the only place in Sweden where kids can really hear hardstyle on very loud speakers and very great production because they also have these lasers and fires and everything. So, yeah, I, I'd say Dreamhack and of course the big ones. Uh, also, want to cross continent someday. I know I have some friends in the US. And they say, like, hey, you should come here and play. I'm like, okay, it's not that easy. It's like a great fucking ocean behind, between us. So uh, it's not that easy. But um, yeah, someday I just wish to see more of those happy faces while I play my tracks. So. Yeah, that would be awesome. Dreamhack sounds really cool. I'm going to have to check that one out. I've heard of it before, but I, I'll, I'll need to go there sometime, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think it's also been a thing in, around the world now. I, they got some Dreamhack uh, events in Spain and I think in the US too. But the the first one was here in Sweden in a little small town called Jön Shopping. Uh, and it also started just one person wanted to have a home party, land party with his friends. And then it, everything got bigger and bigger. And now I guess it's the world's largest computer festival. So. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Oh, that's cool. Okay. So I definitely need to check it out. That's interesting. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about your career. So you've made a successful career for yourself as a DJ and a producer. You won a lot of contests, like you said, and you had over 2 million streams on your track, Castles in the Sky on Spotify. Do you see DJing producing as a potential full-time career opportunity for you? Uh, that's always been uh, the goal for me. And uh, it's funny how I seem to, you know, get a bit closer, but still not there yet uh, on, on my uh, other days or not other days but most days i work in a local supermarket and uh, but i just do work half time and uh, the other half time i spend in the studio making music and i get to today yeah castle in the sky two million streams it's it's unbelievable and uh, that is where my royalty income come from the music at the moment so i'm just trying to push all my other tracks further and of course that one too and uh, see if if the money comes rolling, so to speak. And now it's funny times because it's the, this uh, pandemic, I don't have any gigs. And right before I was, I mean, 2020 was supposed to be one of a great year for me because I had some good bookings and some of them were also like, I get money for it uh, because it's a bit of struggle when you are a new DJ in the scene, you don't usually get paid for what you do. You get free bar and you get free like plus one. And yeah, you know the drill. Uh, so I guess the, in the future, I, it's a hundred percent possible that I will make a living out of this, I think. And that's my goal. So that's what I'm aiming for. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, drop bass, not bombs is also not my 
full-time thing. I have a full-time job as well. Then I also MC. I do drop bass, not bombs. I do a bunch of different things. It's it's hard, but I think eventually when you can turn your passion into your full-time career, I mean, that's the goal. So that'd be really awesome. Yeah, indeed. So you have so many awesome tracks, but there's one that I'm particularly interested in, and I think other listeners will be as well, and that's Ayahuasca. Can you tell us a bit about the inspiration behind this track and your ayahuasca experience, the influence that had on your music? Uh, yeah, it's funny that you bring that up because I have almost forgot about that. This was, uh, <laughs> I think it was my first uh, ever label release uh, on the G Hard Recordings. And uh, actually, I'd never done ayahuasca or anything like that, so I don't have any experience of it. But uh, I was uh, I was hooked on that uh, I think I saw it on some documentary somewhere and I was like, hey, this is like crazy shit. I need to deep dive into this uh, thing. And then I found other documentaries and uh, I sampled it and I, I suddenly think that this could be like inspiration for a track. Uh, I listened to a lot of trance back then also. So that's where the melodic parts come from. I guess the last melody has uh, some inspiration of an Armin Van Buren track. I don't really remember which one right now, but you can hear that the rhythm of the melody is the, almost the same and something i want to change today and like one year after i released the track was the intro would be so cool to have a side trance drop instead of this reverse bass but back in 2016 when i released it the size style thing hasn't hit the hard scene yet uh, so yeah i guess it's just a matter of when i release the track but yeah the screeches are <laughs> annoying to me right now uh, back then i was just trying to create something crazy so you get the feeling that, that you're you're on ayahuasca and you're seeing these uh, crazy visuals and everything just gets a bit disturbing and then you land into the melody i sampled a uh, throat singing thing from youtube also to get the shamanistic vibes alongside the, the drums also sampled from shaman drums or something so it's just a bunch of samples and uh, some creative melodies together there, there is a remix or actually a reamp I made in 2018, right when I got this idea with the side style. So I released it for free on a Easter egg EP, uh, Ayahuasca 2018 edits. And that contains that side trans drop also. But uh, yeah, my production have evolved so much since just some years ago. So I'm not even, I'm not proud of those tracks anymore. It's just maybe sad to hear for someone who likes the track. So I'm not going to say, hey, don't listen to them. But but I'm going to say that in the produ production level, I've evolved so much. So if I could create those tracks today, it they would sound better. But then again, music is also about inspiration and the feeling you get. And you can't really get back feelings and uh, inspirations. So sometimes I listen to old tracks and feel like, hey, these melodies were very good. Why can't I write this today? Or like this type of particular sound. Uh, is very good but I just don't tend to make those sounds any longer um, and to be honest I don't put back then I put very much effort on sound design and that's also why it sounds a bit like beginner level because I was making all the sounds myself uh, back now you get lazy you just take old sounds you've made and you try to work more on them you take samples presets and yeah I think I put more level on making good music and good tracks then rather than just creating new type of sounds. Uh, I hope I'm going to change that if I, this gets a full-time job because then I get more time to just create sounds also. But the only sound I put a lot of effort on nowadays are kicks, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's all about growth, right? All about growth and progress. 
can you talk us talk to us a little bit about your creative process? Like, how do you go about making a track? Where do you get started? How does it work? Yeah, that's also like different all time. Uh, sometimes I just get the melody stuck in my head, and wherever I am, I have to record it. So I get into like you say I'm in a car or I'm at work or anything. I just get into a corner where nobody can hear me and be like doo, 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 <laughs> recording it. So I know the melody when I get back to the studio. And sometimes I just sit in the studio thinking, hey, now I'm going to make some music. Uh, but the thing is that, and yeah, sometimes, of course, don't forget lyrics. It's also a powerful one. When you get like lyrics in your head, you write them down and then you work more on them. I don't think it's often that I write lyrics in one day and say like, hey, bam, that's a track. Uh, sometimes it takes weeks and I have to tweak the, change some words and change it up a bit. Uh, but I like to write my own tracks also. Um, but right now, I think, I have so many unfinished tracks and so many ideas. So right now it's more a matter of when I get studio time, which one I'm going to work on. How am I going to finish this one? It's not so much new ideas coming up uh, at the moment. I don't know if it's about the pandemic that makes the inspiration level go down or if it's just that I have so much things going on that I need to finish first. But that's yeah, how it starts. Yeah, it's hard now uh, during this time because there's not live events and there's not that much going on. Everyone's at home. You can only do so many live streams. So yeah, I understand it. It's hard to come up with 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 new ideas. I think now, especially. Yeah. Um, so you've been in the scene for a while now, and uh, you have a lot of experience. Do you have any advice for up and coming DJs and producers? Uh, yeah, of course. Uh, I think. What I am gonna tell now is was something I wish I tell myself, but yeah, it's it's uh, easy now because uh, yeah, you know, when you start making music, you just want to show people what you've done just for as soon as you. It's not even a finished track. You just want to put it out there and show everyone that hey, I made this. I made this. Look at me, and then the people are gonna tell you that it sounds like garbage, and and you would be like, hey, no, no, no. How can you say that? So my advice is just be very skeptical about what you make and it, it takes time if you can make great music in say one week or two weeks it's from scratch you, you it's not possible one year is like i would say it's impossible too because because i'm a kind of slow learner when it comes to music i think it took like three or four years for me to make music that actually sound good but i know people who have done it in like just one year too but let it take time and don't uh, push it out too fast uh, get your own sound and that's the hard part I'm not really sure that I discovered my own sound so far but I can if, if somebody tell me what's the neutrophic sound and I can tell them yeah it's like this it sounds like them it's blah 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 but that particular sound is very hard to get but once you get it that's the point when you're gonna push it to labels uh, grow your socials and yeah pay for ads and everything so you just get out there because then you have something unique that you want to share with the other uh so yeah that's and then we get to the other part don't copy other just because you like them because then you're not gonna be unique at all you're just gonna be one in the one in the haystack <laughs> uh, so yeah that's my advice right now i think i think that's great advice i agree 100 percent. i think it's really easy in the hard dance scene to hear a sound that you like and then just go and copy it. And we've seen that a lot, especially now with French core, it's a lot of the same melodic 
kind of bass French chord that we're seeing over and over again in up-tempo as well. There's just a lot of trends. And then also with heart style, it was that the side, like we were saying before, like the sidekick drop, like everybody was, I mean, I love that, but everybody was putting it in all of their tracks. It's like, okay, we get it. This is really awesome. And it's really popular now, but it's also really important for people to find their own unique sound. And that's what sets them apart from other artists for sure. Yeah, nowadays, I think it's a raw style kick that's taken over. I mean, even the euphoric scene, everybody uses a raw style kick. And I kind of miss those days when you have this really like wild, stylish, uh, just hard style kick with, with a not pew thing in the beginning or anything. It's just a scrong. But uh, yeah, I guess I guess everything comes down to also that it's uh, this tutorials out there. Uh, people it's very easy now to just make sounds like other because there are so many great tutorials out there, which are good, but but people forget, especially the beginners, are, is that they just copy every setting and then, yeah, they will sound the same. And well, it's going to sound very good, but it won't sound unique. So, yeah, it, the, the issue when you watch tutorials, you have to... I usually just watch them and then I get into the studio and try to make something out of it. But in the beginning, I was sitting and step by step, pausing the video, making the tweak, pausing the video, making the tweak, and then just to get the exactly same sound but what i didn't realize is that it's not gonna sound like i'm doing something special because i'm just doing what if, if i wanted to sound the same i could just sample that kick and then my two hours of the wasted tutorial would be gone so yeah i think you should watch them but not copy them yeah i agree as well and i think another thing too like you were saying before it's about putting the time in People sometimes are just, they want fast money. They want something fast. They want results fast. So they hear something, they watch a tutorial and like, okay, I'm going to do that. This person, you know, had a lot of streams, made a lot of money from this track. So I can too. And then they just do that because it's the quick and easy way. Whereas like teaching yourself and taking the time to develop your own sound and making your own music and your own style coming from your own experiences and influences, that's a lot harder. That takes a lot more time and a lot more effort. And I think Nowadays, some people just want to take the easy, the easy way, you know? Yeah, I also seen that. But I, in the beginning, when I found this music and I was into this, the scene, uh, like in 2012 or 2013, it wasn't the same, actually. It was still this underground. Uh, the producers were very diehard producers who were making their own sounds and you were proud of making kicks for hours or days or weeks or whatever it's going to take. Uh, nowadays, I also feel like there are those uh, newcomers that just copy everything, use samples, use the great packs and everything just to sound amazing. Sometimes they don't even make their own tracks. They just uh, go produce things and just to get into the scene. They have this very good feed on Instagram and take a good shots and bam, they are on a great label. And yeah, they take the short way, as you said. But uh, yeah, I'm not going to sit here and say that that's also the wrong way to go because, I mean, everybody wants different things. But I've always tried to um, put much effort in my tracks and uh, not just make tracks just for the fun of it. I want to tell stories with my music and stuff like that. And of course, I want to grow fast and get to my goals in time. But in the meantime, I'm not going to, how to say, cheat by doing the wrong way because I don't think I will be that proud of the result if I'm not 100%, uh, how do you say, pleased with the road towards it i don't know if you even get what i mean but uh, it's hard to explain i think yeah i get what you mean you want to be proud of what you made and if you're exactly. just like rushing into it and just 
putting together things or copying someone else. It's like, how can you be proud of that? You, if you're putting your heart and your soul and your time and effort into something in the end, you should be proud of it. It should be a track that you want to be played at festivals or on the radio, on loudspeakers, in the car. It's something that you want to say, this is my track. I made this not, Oh, I watched a tutorial and then I copied this person's kick and then I made a track and here it is. It's been, it's done in one hour. You know, you want to, show something for it yeah exactly it's like except for when you make remix uh, contests things which there are when there is a deadline uh, then sometimes i use like sample kicks or often it's my own sample kicks of course because i save every kick i made but uh, sometimes just to push that sound a little bit more to the professional level i could use like a tail from a noise controller's kick or something like that just to get this how will it sound if i could put more work on this track but i actually can't because it's so short deadlines but then again uh, it's very hard to win remix contests nowadays because there are so many attendants so uh, yeah i don't think i've won so many lately but it's fun to remix because you you get a spin of your creativity and uh, you can put your own sound into already existing tracks where melodies and everything are already recorded and done I love that. I also think the great part about remixes is that you can take music from back in the day, old music, or also other styles of music. For example, you could take like a random pop song or hip hop and remixes are a really good way to influence your own sound, mix your own sound with an older sound or with another genre. Yeah, I think I think that's really awesome. Yeah. And uh, speaking of remixes and uh, taking old sounds, I just have to mention that uh, I had this great opportunity to make an official remix for the great artist Kim Wilde uh, by, with the kids in America, because that was when I was in Amsterdam on that uh, language school I was on. Uh, one in my group, uh, he was working with like old tracks, um, re remasters and remixing and everything like that. And he had this project with Kim Wilde. And then I got a great contact with him and I showed him my music. And he said, like, hey, would you be interested in making a remix? And I was like, hell yeah. So now you can find the Hearthstone remix out of Kids in America made by me out on Spotify. And yeah, basically, I read their portal. And uh, yeah, that's like a very cool thing, I think. I won't say that it's the very best remix I made, but it's just so cool that it's uh, for such a great artist and uh, that she actually liked my Hearthstone remix and she like very old <laughs> or not very old but you you get what i mean that's really cool that's an awesome story so let's say someone wants to break into the hard style scene as a producer would you advise them to try to get signed to a label right away or would you advise them to make a take a more diy approach yeah back then i was just i didn't really know much about how you could release tracks on your own so I was like, hey, I'm going to send this to every label out there. But if I didn't get rejected, they didn't even answer. And that's the way you're going to go as a beginner producer, I think. And that can push your motivation down and your inspiration. And suddenly you just feel like, hey, you doubt yourself and you should not do that. You should send it to your friends instead. And if they think it's good or they come with feedback they could fix, then once you feel like, hey, this is a great track, you could for free even just release it uh, there's a lot of these great uh, sites and uh, apps and everything where you can release your music for free and i guess the best thing no the, the two best things about this is that one you get all the royalties from most of them uh, when you are in a label they usually cut like 50 percent and 
when you don't gonna make when you're not gonna make so much money out of it, then 50% is kind of much. Uh, so yeah, that's the first thing. The second thing is that you get the control of everything. You can choose the cover art. You can choose uh, the versions of the track. If you want to put it down, it's easy for you to put them down. Everything is much easier when you do it, uh, and you could you can success from it too. Uh, and just Mike Track Castle in the Sky is a great story about that. Uh, I released it. The funny thing about this track is so actually that uh, you may know it's an old dance track by DJ Satomi, and I found a remix pack on my computer, which was very I had it for a long time. And then one day I feel like I wanted to make a remake out of it. So I started to create the track and I felt like this doesn't sound like that original anymore. So I contacted Satomi on Instagram and said, hey, is it okay if I release this track on my own under my name? And he was just, oh, yeah, for sure. Very cool. And he was just glad to someone could put off the dust of his old dance track. And I said to him, like, hey, it's, I'm going to release it myself. Uh, no labels included. Maybe just get some a thousand or two listeners or so. And he was like, yeah, it's fine show me when it's done <laughs> and then uh, now we, we sit here with two million streams and it's like it's unbelievable uh but yeah i did it all on my own all the promotion stuff uh, there are great promotion ways with labels so to speak uh, the great ones also like scan tracks and dirtworks and the big labels of course when you get into those it's another thing but there's a lot of the smaller labels that just won't it won't make you famous <laughs> it won't make you rich or anything because they will take most of the money and you're gonna sit here like hey i could have earned a lot more just releasing myself and to sum it all up i think if you make great music and just get it out there by yourself then the labels might even find you and when that happens you really know it says they're serious about it they're not gonna just use you because they like they like your sound and they want you and not the other way so what about artists who want to start their own label? Do you have any advice for them? Um, not really. I, th I think that they have to read a lot about it and uh, get prepared that it's, uh, it can be a bad business, so to speak. Uh, nowadays, record labels, it's not about records anymore. It's uh, just to yeah, a lot of merchandise. It's uh, streaming apps, of course, but it's also like events and uh, much social media uh, I guess you have to really know what you're getting into and you should be as passionate about that label as you are about making your own music so as a producer or DJ I think I wouldn't recommend that until you've got the team working with you because I think it's going to be a lot of work and uh, you're not ready I think that's good advice yeah I think it seems like a lot of work <laughs> I think probably it's important to Get but that's also the thing I, I had to say here I, with a DIY thing. You, when you're releasing it, uh, like I do on Amuse, you you are your own label. So there's not really, you have to ask yourself, why do I want to create my own like hardstyle label when I can do it this way? If it's only for just releasing music, then I I would advise you to not do that. <laughs> but if you re really want to have a, your own brand and you, you get a team and you want other DJs and release day tracks then of course you can think about that but as long as you just want your music out there there's so many great ways uh, now in 2021 yeah i think that's good advice definitely so on this podcast i'm always looking to find people who embody the notion of raving for a cause meaning people who are passionate about something or have a cause that they stand for 
I know you're very passionate about encouraging and educating up and coming artists. Can you talk a little bit about this? Yeah, I believe that this this journey I'm I'm on is not like a one man journey. Uh, I like to bring my fellow uh, yes, not just DJs and producers, but also the fans to just with me. So I'm all up for this, you know, sending your music to your friends and giving each other feedback, collaborations, just pushing each other in the right, right direction. And when it comes to raving and parties, I mean, some people think that you just go there taking some bunch of drugs and uh, yeah, get wasted and just uh, flee uh, from reality. But I think it's, I've been to so many raves just completely sober, just enjoying the music and I have so much more fun at parties where I like drive my car there, I meet my friends and have a good time and then home again than when I get wasted with my friends at the bar or something because people don't see that uh, part. And that's for the rave and club thing that I want to stand for. But also, as you said, encouraging the new ones. I got my own podcast, Neutrophic Guest, where I invite a guest every month to yeah, just show their own sound and get out there. I had this uh, great contact with ADM uh, Hardstyle Radio. So I get a mon monthly show there. And for people that's sitting in their bedroom studio and just don't know how to how to reach out to people and they don't have the money to buy for ads and everything. I mean, this is completely free because yeah, I I, I don't want to be that guy that, hey, I want money for making this. Uh, I think it was great that I got the opportunity to make my own podcast, which I've been thinking about for a very, very long time. And now when I'm rolling it, I think it's a great way to promote other artists too uh, for free because you are not really, you don't really know how many is going to listen and how, how the reach will be, how the growth will be. And then you don't want to spend money on promotion that won't even make, make you where you want to go. I've done it so many times before. And that's the struggle as an artist uh, in the scene right now. So, yeah, I'm I'm up for just not for the money, but just for for the goodwill. I think that's because awesome. I want, yeah. I want people to treat me as I treat them. You know, uh, there are some artists that are just very for themselves, and when they get there, they forget their old ones. Uh, who helped them to get where they are. And I want to be very humble about my productions and my journey in the scene. Yeah, I feel the same way. I feel the exact same way. It, it's about the music. It's about the love for the music and being in it for the right reasons. I think it's really easy as a newer up and coming artist to get caught up in the fame and the hype or sometimes the partying and then things really start to spiral and go downhill. I think I've, I've seen that a lot. So it's really yeah. good that you're on the right path and yeah, that you're inspiring others. Can you talk to me a little bit about more about your podcast and uh, have you, do you have any specific examples of artists who have heard it, who are now DJing or anyone that you've inspired specifically from it? Yeah, uh, I think we're still on the, how to say beginning level. I don't think it's so popular out there, but, but uh, yeah, it's like I have a monthly show where i had first part is like me just showing off new tracks mostly of myself and remixes everything but uh, since i'm not a robot machine making music all the time uh, i play uh, much uh, tracks too that are out there but not my first th idea was just to put music from other like uh, talents and uh, up-and-coming artists 
because then I won't get copyright strikes on YouTube. And so also because the tracks are not really out there or popular. But then uh, as, I, as I'm working on that, uh, then I got the idea of, hey, I'm promoting these artists too. So I'm, complete, I'm completely fine with just playing that, those tracks. Sometimes I put in a classic now and then also. And if there's a very free tracks from famous artists, of course, I put them in too, because it's all about new and fresh music. Uh, but uh, the focus is on the talents and then we get to the other part which is the guest mix and yeah since i at this moment i don't think if i reach out to like a big dj what would the interest be in being a part of my free podcast there uh, when they got the shitloads of stuff to do so yeah it would be very cool though if uh, i contacted some big dj and he said hey i'm gonna just do it for fun of it but uh, the main goal right now is to get these uh, as i said the people who want to have some time to shine on the Dutch radio, well, here here's your chance. Uh, so then, yeah, it's a monthly airtime on uh, ADM Harsa Radio, uh, and also I upload it on YouTube, my own channel, um, where you can listen to it uh, again and again. So, yeah, that's the idea of it. And right now, the seventh episode I think is in the making, or if it's the eighth, I I don't know. It's less than ten. Uh, I skipped one month because I had so much in my private life and I was like, hey, I can't make a great episode this one. So we just re-aired the other one. Uh, but DJs I have on is like my friend Gabs, who is a great producer here from Sweden. And uh, the vocal behind the jingles and everything, Fred's also a great Swedish DJ. I had uh, Untold Stories last time, uh, which is also known as The Originals, but uh, it's a Dutch one. Uh, active with a very great release on uh, Scantrax Prospects right now. Uh, so yeah, it's like up-and-coming talents, most from Sweden, but also, yeah, I'm open for, of course, around the world. But uh, in the beginning right now, the friends I have in the scene from Sweden here, it's like more, more easy to get them into this because they, as I said, we support each other. So Yeah, and that's what it's all about, supporting each other. Uh, I had it the same with Drop Bass, Not Bombs. I mean, it started with just my friends. And one thing that's very important to me is booking local artists, booking up and coming artists. And I'm doing that now with live streams as well. And just giving people a chance because I think, of course, it's easier to book the bigger names. You know, you want to make money, of course, but you want to give people a chance. We all start from the bottom, you know, so and it's all about supporting each other and supporting our friends. So I think that's really great that your podcast is providing a platform for artists to to get some exposure and to show what they what they can do. I think that's really important. It's so hard, especially in the Netherlands, because the market is so saturated. Everybody is a DJ here, <laughs> literally yeah. everybody. And there's so much talent here. And yeah, there's not a lot of spots. There's not a lot of spots on the lineup. So it's really nice when there's opportunities like the contests, the talent stages, um, your podcast, these kind of opportunities, because otherwise, how do you get started in the scene if there if you can't play? If there's no space for you to play, how do you get started, you know? Yeah. And another thing about this podcast project is that speaking of like promotion and the paid promotion, this is free promotion for me myself too, because if I invite friends, they're going to tell their friends, hey, listen to this podcast because I have a guest mix in there. And then they have to listen to my tracks in the first 30 minutes. And then maybe they feel like, hey, this new trophy guy is uh, make really great music. I'm going to give him a follow or check him out and everything like that. And so it's like a win-win situation for both me and the guests. Uh, 
and also I get the contact with uh, the guests. Sometimes I just go to some random DJ find on Instagram and check their feed and be like, hey, maybe you want to go and have a guest mix on my podcast. And once you get that connection in the DMs, you start a new connection, which might turn out to a collaboration or a friend or yeah, whatever. You're just growing your relations with within the scene and uh, it's fantastic. I, I love it. I think that's great. I think also, especially now, because there's no live events. So if that's a good way to stay relevant, stay busy, to share your music is through reaching out to people through the podcast, because yeah, now it's really hard. There's no festivals or parties. So, so what are we supposed to do? You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what else have you been up to now? Any new releases, anything you want to shout out or share with the audience? Yeah, my latest track was uh, Back in the Game with JML, which was his last uh, track as JML because he changed his name now to Aerosound. Uh, but uh, that people don't know or some may have already figured out because I have teased a little bit about it, but I am going to make uh, my first ever mini album or EP, so to speak, with five tracks. And uh, the tracks are all in the making. Uh, it's uh, three of them as original tracks, which I have uh, written the lyrics for. And yeah, there are hired singers and uh, vocalists for them too. Uh, very great productions, which I'm, I've put my heart and soul into. I just saved down like 10 versions of the masters yet re recreating stuff, just listening, listening. And what can I fix? What can I fix? So uh, you can expect very great uh, result on this one. And then there are two remixes. One was a contest I had for people. And then one is from uh, my friend, which I can't tell the name right now because it's still an id track but uh yeah i have not any release date yet either i think it i hope it's going to be this summer but i'm going to put a lot of work on the promotion stuff behind this release because for me it's a very big project so once every track is done and i recorded all the contents i guess we're speaking at least five or six weeks before the release are out there or like a month or something uh, but it's coming and uh, you can already hear some of the tracks around my like live sets on YouTube or yeah, new trophy casts just to speak some of the things if you are very curious about it. But I, I'm not saying like here, here's my new album, how here you can listen to it because you have to really deep dive into my music if you're going to hear where the tracks are and stuff like that. But more and more coming. I promise that. So. Where do you see the future of Hardstyle now, especially during the pandemic and during this difficult time? Um, that depends a lot on when this uh, pandemic ends, uh, which I hope it's going to do very soon. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, it takes time and uh, I'm not really sure it's ever going to be the same, to be honest. But once the restrictions and everything uh, gets, if once it gets more easy to announce and make parties, I guess all the people would be so, you know, hyped about it. So even if the ticket prices rises and everything, people won't care. They just want to go to a rave. And uh, I guess sooner or later, it will be the same. But also, I think that, that I was expecting the music to change a bit because when you can't really be on the dance floor, why it, does it have to be like this four to the floor beat and everything? I was expecting more creativity from the producers, but... Then again, uh, the producers don't get inspiration anymore when there's no party. So I guess it's just, I guess uh, there are, are a lot of tracks and albums and things in the making, but 
the DJs won't release it until they can have this release party. Like a good example is like Project One. The album, everybody knows that the album is almost done or if it's done, but they just refuse to release it out there now in the pandemic times because then what would it be? Like everybody will listen to it and then they will forget it. It won't be a big thing when you speak about the great names like Head Anders and Wild Styles. They will want these like big parties and uh, yeah. Since the first Project One release party they had, they got, uh, I think it was that Headhunters got injured or something. So it was like a disaster. So I, when they have this time now to make another album, I think they plan to make a great party out of it. And yeah, then the restrictions have to be like people can go there. I mean, in Sweden, we got right now, I think it's 100 people from 1st of June. You can be 100 people at events. And if there's sit-down events, you can have 500, which is very a great step for us because we have usually been to like 20. And when it was worst, we had like, you should just be with your family. So, yeah, I think it's eight people right now, or if it's four or so, we're not there yet, but if, yeah, first of you, it's going to be 100, so. Yeah, I'm hoping slowly things will get better too. For me, it's been... Yeah, I mean, at first I was kind of thinking like, oh, it's never going to get better. We're never going to have events again. I was thinking like, oh, I should take up a new hobby, maybe do martial arts or surfing or just do something else because we're never going to have parties again. It's going to be like this forever, you know, really down about the situation because it just seemed to be getting worse and worse and worse. Or we would, in the Netherlands, they would open some things and then close them again and then open them again. I mean, it was just horrible. And it was hard for me during the time as well to listen to hard dance because it reminded me of parties, you know, or yeah. like it got me so pumped up. Like, I'm not going to listen to terror and then sit in my house the whole day. You know, it just <laughs> got me pumped. Like I'm like doing laundry really fast, cleaning really fast. It's like if I'm home the whole day and I'm working from home, you know, I want to I'm going to listen to more chill music because otherwise I'm just going to be hype and I want to party and then there's no party and then I get sad. So I understand wanting to wait to release something until there are live events again, because it is really not the same. It's not the same like listening to hard dance on headphones as it is listening to it, you know, at a stage at DEF CON or Dominator or Deathspell or whatever. So I get that. But at the same time, you do have to release music now, I think, to stay relevant and to otherwise people are going to be like, what were you doing for the last year you know <laughs> yeah but that's the that's the, the hard thing because you know there are great tracks out there right now that's are in the making and uh, i think in 2020 they released very great tracks too but those tracks uh, won't be festival tracks i mean when the festival gets back there all the djs will have new tracks and i don't think they're gonna play it like the ones from 2020 and now 2021 and yeah it's kind of sad but as you say you can't just don't release anything either because then you don't stay relevant. I mean, you you have to. It's uh, it's hard. You you just want to people to hear it. And but that's for a beginner, which I consider myself. I'm not a beginner, but I mean, for I don't have so many gigs and I don't have any like very big crowd. So for me, it's not really a difference. I mean, if I release a track now, what happens back then is yeah, of course I could play it on my gigs, but on those gigs it like not so many people's and there's not gigs every week i mean i think i had like four or five bookings last year which i only 
could make one or so because of the pandemic but you know it's not like i have every weekend and i could play all those tracks all the time because my crowd and my fans right now are like 80 or 90 or even more percent just listeners on spotify and followers on my socials and they, they just listen to music online anyway so for me I, I just don't know why i don't get more music out there but i released two tracks this year and yeah it's an album in the making or a mini album so i think i'm i'm not just sitting here rolling my thumbs and hoping everything gets better i'm in the studio making music and trying to push it out there so that's uh, that's how i approach it yeah, you're definitely someone who's been keeping busy during this time. I mean, like you said, you have the podcast, you're about to have a new album. So I think that's really great. Keep doing what you're doing and don't give up. And we'll have live events again soon. So have you been doing live streams and stuff as well? My plan was that I bought this, uh, as I said, my web camera thing on the phone. Uh, uh, and yeah, I, I was trying to buy a web camera too, but uh, the stores in Sweden was out of them because yeah, everybody's working from home. And <laughs> so I, I was like, hey, fuck it, I'm going to try to use my phone. But uh, the thing is that I once I thought about this, it's like I don't have a very stable internet uh, connection or I don't really know what it takes. I'm not technical about how to make a really live stream. And then when I was having this idea, I'm not going to go do it for the first time. I think, hey, who would know if it's live? I could just use cameras from different uh, I and take help from my girlfriend to film when I'm doing everything and record it to the PC and then afterwards just edit everything and then send that whole video live and that's what I've been doing now two times and I think it's much funnier for the viewers to watch when it's different camera angles and uh, everything sounds good it's effects uh, not really effects but you get what I'm saying it's not just one camera and then it's buffers and everything it looks bad um it's a great uh, i've made two great ones i think and i'm planning for the album of course to make something bigger bigger uh, i don't really know how but uh, probably i'm gonna put my gear up or someone else's gear in a different place and have much more cameras maybe like a drone or something also which i bought but i haven't really learned to control it yet <laughs> it crashed into a tree so recently oh no that's horrible that's yeah really it's like uh, yeah but then again it's not me who's gonna drive it when i'm doing it so i'm gonna push my girlfriend to do it uh, she's even better than me on that one but um yeah that that's what's coming up but then again it's not gonna be like a live live but I guess the people, most people don't even figure that out when they see the live symbol on Facebook where I aired my video and they're watching, they think, hey, this guy is live. Oh, great. He got different camera angles. Oh, my God. what He's, he's doing a great uh, content. But uh, for those who know, they don't even care either because every time you watch like Defcon live or Q Dance live, you, you know that that's that not live. It's also edited. It's pre-recorded. So, yeah, I, I think everybody's fine with that. But then oh, they yeah, got people, to those like with the penguins and guys who are doing the live things with the chat and everything. But uh, yeah, I'm not. I don't have that kind of equipment and that knowledge about how to. And I have no time to get those knowledge because yeah, someday this uh, pandemic thing will be over and the era of the live streams will slowly fade. I hope so. I've been doing, <laughs> I've been doing a lot of live streams and yeah, I mean, it, they're great, but it's not the same as it's doing like a, a live event. Yeah. And I think 
my favorite live streams to watch. I've been watching, um, I think the company is called Circle, Circle spelled with an E, not an I. And they do these crazy live streams. Like they did one in Turkey from a hot air balloon. So the DJ was playing in a hot air balloon and people were watching in hot air balloons. And they also mm -hmm. did like one on a boat in Italy. There's like some in Turkey, um, Norway. So it'd be cool if you did one in, I'm sure, I know Sweden's beautiful. I've never been there, but it looks beautiful from the pictures. If you did it in a cool scenic background and then the drone flying over and you playing hard style, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah gonna cost a lot of money and it's gonna be a, like a lot of people to have to but i am I'm, I'm not i'm not sure if i'm thinking indoor or outdoor what my idea is like i want an indoor thing with lasers and uh something because it's gonna fit more of the theme the theme of the album will be like as we're talking about my approach to the scene like love for the music the very epic uh, devotion you have for the scene and you can really feel that in all of the tracks so i, I don't really get the connection what that has to do with the beautiful nature of sweden <laughs> but maybe I, I don't know it's not it's uh, still in my head all these ideas i just have to first finish the tracks and then i'm gonna make all the video content and we'll get from there but i, I love you, that it's be great cool that's a, yeah that sounds really good i mean definitely do definitely do do what fits the music you know and do do what fits the album and i think because your love for the music, you said it started at DreamHack, it started at a festival with lasers. And I think if you can connect that, your new album back to that moment where you fell in love with the music, I think that's gonna be amazing. And people are really gonna resonate with that. I think they'll really feel something from that for sure. Yeah. Okay, so we're coming to an end now, but this has been great. So do you have any final thoughts or where can people find you? Yeah, uh, first of all, thanks for having me. It was, uh, I, I really like to sometimes open up and talk about the music because most of the times when you get asked or stuff about yeah, shows and everything, it's mostly just playing music and the people don't really get to know you. And I think as a, as a fan of music and DJs, you have, you're interested in knowing about the persons you, you, yeah, you like. So, I mean, I get inspirations from uh, yeah, Headhunter, for example, not only because he makes great music, but for his other content when he talks and what he talks about and how he's as a person. So I hope I could inspire someone and yeah, show a bit about myself. And yeah, as you say, where you can find me, I'm active on most social medias, uh, just slash neutrophic, uh, but most on Instagram. And uh, yeah, I think that's where I'm most active, but I got some fun content on TikTok too. <laughs> Uh, uh also like twitter facebook but i have to push everyone to my spotify page of course because that's where i release music and that's where the musics are of course i use youtube and soundcloud too oh yeah don't forget youtube because i make uh, vlogs and stuff other content which you can't really see somewhere else um so yeah yes if you find this interesting and you should definitely check me out there and yes i'm a humble guy i will if you write to me i will write back so yeah great and i'll link to everything in the show notes as well so people can easily find you and connect but thank you so much for today it was so nice to meet you and talk to you and i think yeah you have a lot of good advice and yeah people are gonna love to hear more from you we're looking forward to the new album yeah i, I i'm sure to give you guys very much content in, in beforehand because uh, 
is when the release is going to be and uh, what the tracks are like and everything. And yeah, if you're really, really interested, you can uh, contact me and I'll show you uh, the, the tracks already. And you can hear them in the latest episode of Neutrophicast too. So uh, yeah, it's going to be a great one. Awesome. Thank you so much. Have a great day. You too, you too. Thanks for having me. Yeah, bye. bye. All right. So it was so cool getting to know Neutrophic. We can definitely expect big things from him in the future. And as always on this podcast, I interview people with different opinions and views that do not necessarily reflect those of my own or that of Drop Bass Not Bombs. That being said, we all have one thing in common, and that's love for the music. So if you like the podcast, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Drop Bass Not Bombs NL. You can find all of our merchandise at the Dutch Rave Store by going to www.dutchravestore.nl. We have masks, shirts, hoodies, and much more to come. And we'll see you next time.